Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our Lockdown Project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Lockdown Tea and Biscuits and today I'm talking to my executive producer Poppy Keeling. Hello Poppy. Hi Emma. (laughs) This is uh, the strangest one for me because we actually speak every day don't we? (laughs) Yes. Yeah this this Zoom format has become our our little um, well it's it's our executive portal Emma. Oh I like that I like the sound of that that sounds slightly more high powered than it is (laughs) because I have to say you're often in your pyjamas aren't you Poppy? Yes yes we did just do a quite serious interview this morning which I had to come to in my pyjamas but nobody could tell. (laughs) You wear a very stylish pair of PJs so you get away with it. Um, So first of all what is your virtual or real biscuit of choice? Oh well, my, my, my biscuit of choice has got to be a chocolate hobnob because I just love the combination of the sweet and the salt and the oaty texture. It's just the best. <laughs> um, milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate, although I'm, I'm normally a dark chocolate girl, but it's something, it, it, it's got to be that, that sort of slightly nasty, sweet milk chocolate that you get. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Milk chocolate hobnob, please. Classic choice. And tell me about your lockdown. Paint me a picture. Where are you? How's it going? Um, I am in my spare room, which was previously that sort of slightly underused room, kind of full of stuff that you're halfway through doing or that you haven't got room for. Um, and it always smelt a little bit funny because no one ever really used it. And that has now become mine and my partner Rob's office. Um, and it's a, my lockdown's all right. It's, um, I don't know. It's just weird, isn't it? I've got no. I can't complain. I've got. A, I've got a lovely place to live. Everybody I know is healthy, and I'm healthy, and I've got a job and a salary. So I've really, really got nothing to complain about. But it is weird, and I do miss my life a little bit. I know. I miss purpose. Yeah, and you know, it's I'm quite a sociable person. It's nice seeing people, and and you know, the executive portal is all very well, but it's not the same. <laughs> Well, listen, I'm going to kick off with my first choice of music, um, which you will recognise because we used a version of it in Wise Children. But I also think it's a good one. It's a good theme song for you and me because we've only been working together for just over two years, two and a half years. But we've faced a lot of music and we have danced. There may be trouble But while there's moonlight and music and love and romance, let's face the music and dance. Before the fiddlers have fled, before they ask us to pay the bills, and while we still have the chance, Let's face the music and dance Soon 
sing a different tune And then There may be teardrops to shed So while there's moonlight and music And love and romance Let's face the music and dance Dance Let's face the music and dance Let's Face the Music and Dance, sung by Fred Astaire, which we used a version of in our first production, Wise Children. So I remember on the first day of rehearsals for Wise Children, and the first day of rehearsals is always a little bit of a write-off because there's just loads of people who don't actually need to be in the rehearsal room all turn up to say hi and introduce themselves. And uh, yeah, and everybody's sort of more intent on drinking coffee and eating biscuits to actually do any work. I, in fact, I always feel a bit sorry for you or, or the director on the first day of rehearsals because it feels like sort of unfocused and busy. And anyway, on the first day of Wise Children rehearsals, you got everyone to do some singing and that sort of everybody, including all the office team who turned up and the design team and, um, and Ian taught us that song. And it's actually really difficult. It's got a really complicated, I, I, know, I know very little about music, so I don't really know the words, but I feel like it's like an interval change or something. And I was just in the middle of all the actors sort of singing along. And, and this really complicated bit just kept coming and they all just kept going over. And I just, I ended up just mouthing the words to the song sort of merrily. <laughs> in true schoolgirl style, we've all mouthed yeah. the words. We've all done yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So we um, we met when you interviewed for this job. Mm-hmm. Um, go on. T- t- I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was obviously such an important moment for me. And because I've been thinking about talking to you today, I find it extraordinary that we did it at the Globe, didn't we? We did it in yes. one of the Globe's uh, in, yeah. um, buildings, which now feels astonishing that I was still there, but building this company to the point of actually. Um, recruiting my key team but yeah um, you did a sensational interview Um, yeah I remember it really clearly as well although in my mind it wasn't I mean it obviously was the first time I met you but I did sort of know I know I'd seen you in lots of shows I'd seen lots of your work I definitely and to me you were there were sort of three or four directors that whose work I just loved all my theatre going life and and you know, dreamt about working with, and, and you were one of them. So I, I kind of felt like I, you know, I, I had a little bit of you in my heart already. 
Um, See, I'm already upset that there was another three and want to know who they are, but don't <laughs> tell me. <laughs> really, um, it's only me. And <laughs> go on, I'm, I'm allowed a few. I'm allowed a few. Um, and and then and so so yeah. So I sort of felt like I had an idea about who you were and what it might be like working with you anyway. And then yeah, I remember that interview really clearly as well. Um, and it was it was. I think it was a really good interview. I think it was really fun. I remember having um, really interesting discussions, and and of course I interviewed with Judith. So I initially joined Wise Children as a as a sort of job share executive producer, and Judith is my was my incredible boss at Complicity, where I where I'd worked before, and so she sort of taught me everything that I know about producing theatre and. and working in a theatre company and so we came together so actually that was kind of lovely as well I mean I I remember being excited to meet you and you know a bit nervous because I really wanted the job so much but it wasn't a scary interview because because you're lovely and because I had Judith and I sort of remember it being quite fun. It was really good fun it's Judith Dimmond by the way the amazing Judith Dimmond um, who you interviewed with Um, and I just remember the the energy of you two and the creativity of you two and the experience as well and the fact that at that point you came in as a team with Judith Dimon's amazing experience and your youthful vitality and sharpness and I can remember we we, we had a very strong shortlist but at the end of it um, I remember the um, I think it was Claire Reddington who was interviewing with me said who are you going to see again and I said it's we know who's got this job we don't need to do a second round um it was there's no need for that you did tell us very quickly I think um Allegra was there too and I think Allegra rang us possibly the day after um and I was I was I can't I was trying to remember actually what it was I was saying I was seeing something at Sadler's Wells I was at a matinee and I came out in the interval and there was a missed call from Allegra and I thought there's no reason Allegra would be calling me on a Saturday uh, if it wasn't this so I rang her straight back and then I uh, jumped up and down in front of Sadler's Wells for about five minutes and then went back in. <laughs> very very appropriate I reckon so um you came from Complicite so before we start talking about your time there um and your experience there what's your first record choice and why so my first record choice well before I worked with you I didn't work with people who used a lot of music in in their work uh, although Simon at Complicity had used music before in sort of earlier days of the company's work and it's one of the things I love about working with you is that there is you know and I hope that if I ever do this in 10 years time there'll just be thousands of shows from productions that I I, I adore because there is something really special about music in shows that you work on your connection to music in shows that you hear that many times and you'd think you'd get bored of them but you you don't they sort of tug a particular part of your gut whenever you hear them so when you asked me to do this I was thinking about what what music there was in the shows that I'd worked on that had, had that I really had that feeling about and the first song that I want you to play is a Tom Waits song called Make It Rain which um, was in The Encounter a publicity show that I worked on right from the start and for, for lots of years of touring it um, and it's quite a sort of intense very detailed, very kind of thinky show. Lots of lots of speech, not a huge amount, not not very visual for a complicity show. Um, 
And then about two thirds of the way through, there's this bit where this enormous track comes on and the actor Simon starts sort of trashing the stage and, and there's sort of, it's flooded with light in a way that it hasn't been up until that moment. So it's like a kind of breaking point in the show. Really cathartic and exciting and, and, the, and the song is just perfect for it and I love it. She took Tom Waits, what a brilliant, brilliant choice and a brilliant show and a brilliant company and Simon McBurney is sort of such a huge inspiration to me and all theatre makers of my generation. So um, you come from a fine pedigree. Talk to me more about your time there because you didn't, when did you know you wanted to be a theatre producer? 
oh, not till I was one, I don't think, because I probably didn't even really know what it was to be a theatre producer. And I say that as if I now know exactly what it is, which is probably also not right. But um, I, so I, my mum loves the theatre. She took me to the theatre loads. Um, and I, and so I also developed an early love of the theatre, which is, you know, I'm one of those lucky, lucky people who got to see loads of it. And I lived in, I grew up in London, so I got to see loads of theatre. And by the time I was about 17, Complicity were my, actually Complicity and Nihai were my like two favourite companies. And uh, Complicity was nearer because I was in London. And I had got, managed to get myself a, a work placement working there as, a, as an 18 year old over the summer. And I just loved it. I, it was so much fun. It was sort of I think I'd you know I'd done work experience in offices before but really boring offices and I decided that offices were really boring and that wasn't where I wanted to be um but I and I also and I love the theatre but I wasn't an actor and you know when you're sort of 16 17 you only really know about acting that's sort of the only you can either be an actor or maybe you could be a director but I wasn't either of those things I was a, an organizer and a I don't know I think I've got a bit of a, a numbers brain and a kind of logistical brain and I didn't really know what you could do with that in the theatre, but I did know that that was the world that I wanted to work in. And so I love this company, Complicity, and I went and did a work placement with them and I sort of suddenly started to see that there was a kind of role for, for planners and organisers connected to the theatre. And then I went to university to do a, a theatre studies degree and that confirmed my impression that I was not an actor or a director <laughs> or a, um, I think I probably thought I was going to go into stage management um, at university. Uh, I'd make a brilliant but, stage manager. Yeah, I always think I, I, I would really enjoy... Brilliant producer, but you've manager. got that organisational brain, haven't you? You'd be very yeah. good. And I'm a bit of a martyr as well, which is really good for stage <laughs> management and or production. Um, take, taking on too much responsibility. I think maybe, I can't, I can't think why, I think maybe I realised that I was, that although I did have the right kind of brain and skill set and for stage management, I wasn't, I was maybe a bit too lazy to go into stage management. They worked so incredibly hard. I think maybe I sort of thought maybe I wanted. It was there an easier version of that? And and it, anyway, so I didn't really know what I theatre producing the idea was. That producing is the easier option from stage management. And and can I say lazy is not a word that I associate with you? But anyway, I digress. No, but you know what I mean. I mean, stage managers they're just they're there an hour early than everybody else. They leave five hours anyway. <laughs> I think I like the pub too much. Um, <laughs> So, so really all I knew was that I loved the theatre. I sort of knew what I wasn't, wasn't good at or wasn't, wasn't excited by. And I loved this company, Complicity, and, and the work that they made, I just thought was so exciting. And I had been lucky. Luck and connections. Go I that. Won't... lost you for a bit. I think you were about to say I'd been lucky enough. Oh, yeah. So I'd been... Have you got me back? Yeah, you're back. Yeah. So I'd been lucky enough to get this placement. And so when I finished university, I wrote to Judith Dimmon, um, who had been and was still running the company. And I said, I'm moving back to London and I need a job. And any chance you need someone to make the tea and stock the stationery cupboard? And she said, yes, actually, perfect timing. Come back, please. And so I came back and I started as their admin assistant. And then I um, 
Ofchuk over running their creative learning department, although it was called the education department at that time. And when I took it over, we did a rebrand and became creative learning. Um, and then I started working with Judith uh, as kind of an assistant producer. And then I ended up, I can't remember what my title was when I left, producer, I think, or associate producer, um, working really closely with Judith on the shows and still working on the creative learning projects. So I ended up kind of learning all about that kind of participation or outreach or enrichment, whatever you call it, side of um, part, part of the work, which is often so much part of subsidised theatre companies' work and, and which I remain really passionate about. So I had a kind of interesting insight into all that work with communities and, and how that can really inform and be integral to the artistic programme of an organisation. And, and that's something I still I still care quite deeply about, that those things are kind of tied up. And that was um, but I also learned... You, you came in with such a strong background in producing uh, theatre made in an alternative way, but also the School for Wise Children. You really have grasped that with an equal fervour. And I love that about you, that you look after the two strands of the company with equal passion. Yeah, well, I think they're... I think they're intrinsically interlinked and I think if you if a, an organisation that gets its education and outreach work really speaking to its kind of professional productions and in fact sort of sees them all as really the same thing and just feeding each other, I think that's the best kind of organisation, the most exciting organisation and, and your ambitions for the School for Wise Children were also a, a key part of why I wanted to come and work for you. What's your second choice of music and why? So my second choice of music is another song from another show which has felt really important in my life. And um, so just at the end of working for Complicity, we had, Judith and I had developed a programme called Complicity Associates, which was about using the resources and expertise of Complicity as a production company to uh, expand into work with other artists and we worked on a production called Grief is the Thing with Feathers which was adapted from an amazing novel by Max Porter and directed by Ender Walsh and Ender has got he's actually got the most amazing taste in music he's an incredibly stylish and cool man and it sort of pains me to admit that that extends in he's just too bloody perfect and it extends into his sort of impeccable music taste um, so we would often come in in the morning in the rehearsal room or the or the auditorium would just be kind of overtaken by Ender playing great songs and one of them made it into the show. And I feel like I never heard this song before the show, but then once once I'd heard it, I'd suddenly now hear it everywhere. And it's a finesse parody, Jola Taxi. Jola Taxi va
Um, so Judith um, ended up um, concentrating on her new company, Wayward. She did. Um, and is now on the Wise Children board. So it's all ended up in a sort of perfect, perfect storybook ending. And you are sole in charge of Wise Children. How did that feel and how was that transition? Well, it was very exciting and a little bit scary. Um, and, you know, I've definitely... Uh, well, I've got the... I, I definitely experience what I'm what what I'm going to call imposter syndrome, but that would be to sort of accept that it's an imposter syndrome. I have, you know, I think a lot all of us suffer with sort of feeling like we're not quite experienced enough or grown up enough or ready to take on a job. And and at the point where it became clear that Judith was going to stop being an being an active. Um, executive director of Wise Children and, and that I was going to become the sole executive, there were some moments of great fear. Um, and they haven't entirely gone away. There are often times when I sort of, particularly in a, a design meeting, perhaps, for example, some of the design meetings we've had for Wuthering Heights, where I look around at the kind of amazing team from the National that we're working with and, and the creatives that you bring on board, working with Vicky Mortimer and Simon Baker and Malcolm Rippeth. And, you know, I, I sometimes sort of go, oh, I can't believe I'm at this table of people. Um, but mostly that's, you know, really, really exciting. And I'll put up with a bit of fear in order to have, yeah, you, you don't have the excitement if you don't have the fear. And you, you have to take the jump at some point. I mean, from where I'm sitting, and I talk about it a lot, you're so in your prime and you're so ready. It's just thrilling to watch somebody that's done all the legwork and all the preparation and you've learned all the skills doing it. And of course, there might be moments where it's not perfect, but A, it never is perfect. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much experience you have, you know, it's it's not a science. But I've just loved watching your your you in your prime um meeting a job and it's been an absolute privilege and joy to watch that. Although you saying imposter syndrome, you did say to me only yesterday, which I giggled inwardly at, you said, Oh, I am going to talk to a grown up about this at some point. <laughs> the fact that you insulted yourself and me at the same time. In that. <laughs> it was a really good idea, by the way. She had a really good idea, but I like the idea that she couldn't had to speak to a grown up about it before actioning it. But I think later on, I tried to sort of pull back a bit of status by saying, I, I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> I think I meant around the legal frameworks involved in that particular decision. Um, yeah, it's definitely. Well, you know, I, I feel that's really amazing to hear and thank you very much. I, I'm, I'm, loving, I'm loving my job, I have to say. And I kind of feel like throughout my professional life, I haven't, I haven't really done anything. I, I don't know if this is a terrible thing to admit, but you don't know anything until you do it, really. And every, every new step has been a, a kind of leap to take on a bit more and and find out what you can do and so so far it's it's all going it's all going right so far I haven't, I haven't nothing's failed massively yet but you know we've and we've had some we've taken some leaps too far perhaps in our just in two years we've done some really risky things um but it's exciting and I think I would be bored if it wasn't a bit scary oh we certainly haven't played it safe 
I certainly haven't played it safe. And now there's all sorts of new googlies coming at us. So anyway, I'm going to go for my next choice, which we've giggled at in this household this morning. So I'm choosing The Gospel Train, sung by the Golden Gate Quartet, which is the original of the song that we then used in Mallory Towers, um, the second show that you produced for Wise Children. Um, And I said this morning, I'm choosing it because... Me and Poppy spend all our time on trains and we laughed about sort of mundane song choices. So we were laughing that I'm going to choose the eye of the tiger because we both have eyes. But anyway, (laughs) this is Gospel Train because we sit on trains before this happened all the bloody time. thing about this whole lockdown that you and I as a southwest based company we we try to get people to come to us but they just don't do they the reality is is that yeah. we spend our lives on the train to London yeah um and we'd sort of given into it but it has been really interesting and yeah. I believe that we will be changed forever in our practices how much we've done online me too. I mean, I was, I was, I was sort of having a little look back through my diary, and I reckon I'm on a train at least three times, if not four or five, a week as standard. And actually, I, aside from sort of slightly resenting the fact that everybody just assumes you're in London and you'll just, in fact, people, you know, you get this thing where people sort of say, you know, could we meet and discuss this and what you're up to next week, and people just assume that you're in London. There's no question that you might be elsewhere. That sort of pisses me off a little bit but aside from that I, I don't mind being on train I like trains it turns out luckily um find them quite useful places to work they're quite peaceful um and I like traveling but I will not be sad if if sad, something like 50% of those meetings just can continue to be online and, and I really think I think they will be able to I think we, I think that will change I reckon we could lose two out of three of our journeys now yeah, I, was, I think we should try. Yeah, I think I think 
At some point, nothing can replace looking somebody in the eye and touching something and and the space that you have when you're with somebody. Because Zooms are a bit more intense. But yeah, I reckon we can lose two thirds of travel. And yeah. that'd be great for the environment. You know, I hope I hope all sorts of things. It'd be great for the environment. It'll be great for our our lives and our relationships and our you know yeah. There's there's going to be a lot of a lot of good things about cutting out the constant travel. The only thing that I I've mused about as somebody that's toured all my life and travelled all my life is that I I'm quite addicted um, spiritually is that or emotionally to the journey. I feel. So as you know, at the moment, I'm I'm seeing my parents a lot because my dad's unwell and I need the journey to yeah. transition from one chapter to another. I, I'm And I realise that that's what trains. I often don't work on a train, but I think a lot on a train, yeah. dream a lot on a train, and I feel like I project myself into different situations and there's something uber efficient about Zoom. So we're doing five today and I don't like it. I feel that I'm splitting yeah. my soul a little bit thin, whereas the journey yeah. gives you time to prepare in a different way. Yeah. It's interesting. I have been thinking about the kinds of work that you and I do, actually. I feel like, well, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I feel like one thing about my job is, is it's so practical and logistical that because you you were talking about the kind of creative thinking space that the that the lockdown has given you and the time you've got just to kind of dream and 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 you said plan and I sort of think my kind of planning is so fixed to practicalities that's actually quite painful even to get into the sort of thinking right now because because all the planning I do is like you think something you do it you make it Whereas, whereas your kind of creative thinking is you're able to exist in the abstract in a different way, if you know what I mean? <laughs> I think I exist in abstract almost all the time. I just have to be dragged into the present every now and again. But yeah, I, there's, there's all sorts of space that I drift around in. And you know I talk about that a lot, which is that you have to drift and wander yeah. before you can land. And, you know, when you're running a company as well as being an artist, the drifting time, the oxygen, I call it, don't I? That that gets yeah. sucked away by practicalities. And the lockdown yeah. has given us a bit of that. And it's giving you that because I think you're thinking really creatively yeah. as a producer. And one thing that I've noticed is that at the beginning of this debacle, corona monstrosity that's happening, you were trying to get ahead of it because you're you're competitive yeah. and you're bright and you were trying to get ahead of the game and then there was a point where we both had to realise we just couldn't the story yeah. was changing it was out of our hands and as yeah. control freaks that took a little yeah. bit of getting used to didn't it yeah absolutely the first few weeks were absolutely horrible because all I was doing was responding to things which just changed fucking excuse me day by day so every time you thought you'd come up with a solution you just had to come up with a different solution and and yeah, there was a bit where I suddenly realised, I think you said it in fact, like just might as well just stop for a little bit because you're not in charge. Um, and yeah, also, you know, we're, we're a small player in, even in just the theatre industry, actually, there's a lot of kind of big organisations who we just have to wait and see what moves they make. And then we can kind of make moves and slip around them and, you know, work out where the spaces for us are. Um, Ooh, so yeah. yeah. That's making me think. A long time ago, I was heartbroken and I took myself on holiday to um, Buenos Aires and decided that I would learn to tango. And it was a fairly 
no, it was amazing actually. I was very, very lonely, um, but I did learn to tango. But because the woman has to follow, I actually didn't learn how to tango. I learned how to follow, and they often uh-huh. teach you to dance with your eyes shut. So I actually just um, paid a man to. move me around the floor in a very very enjoyable way Um, but I feel a little bit like we're tangoing with our eyes shut and you sort of have to give in and knowing that um, being able to follow is as good a skill as leading yeah right tell me about your final choice and why so my final choice is a song from wise children and it's the song it's the cast singing Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which was the very end of Wise Children. And um, on, you know, not to gush too much, but I just, working on that show and and making that show sort of felt a bit like coming home. It felt like, in fact, I have to say this, my boyfriend cried when he came to see the, the final dress rehearsal. And at the end of the show, he was crying. And he, I very rarely see him cry. Um, have to kick him very hard to make that happen and he said I've actually sort of forgotten what he said but he said something like this is the show that you've always wanted to make and I'm so happy for you Mm. and I just I just you know everything I just love everything about that show it's so and it for me it epitomizes why I love your work and why I'm why I'm so excited to be working with you because I think you make really incredible quality work that's really sophisticated emotionally and intellectually it's super intelligent but it's also super open and accessible so it's just fun and people audiences are just having so much fun watching it that they don't even really notice this kind of quietly subversive politically radical thing that's going on until kind of right at the end where you suddenly get this gut punch and you're like oh my god I can't believe what I've just been watching and just basically just been kind of nodding along to and and that kind of that gut punch at the end of your work is something I think is so amazing and this song kind of came just after everyone had just reeled from what what you know the kind of dark underside of of white's children Plus, it's a really cool song and it sounded beautiful when they sang it. So, girls just want to have fun. And cast from Wise Children, led by Mirabel Grimaud. Um, it was such a special show and the beginning yeah. of a special journey. Yeah. Um, so before we sign off, I would like to say thank you because it's a moment of reflection. Just thank you for your incredible dedication 
and your bravery and your creativity and your energy and just your fun as well poppy keeling we're having such good fun yeah we are well thank you right back at you Uh, and yeah i just feel that i couldn't i couldn't have dreamt of a better partner in crime and you you keep me fresh as well because um it would be easy to feel jaded sometimes and you stop that from happening at every junction oh well thank you so much this has been an absolute pleasure as is as is has as the last two years let's do more please i know so i'm going to play us out with a bit of romantics anonymous that should have been playing in america now and in fact the shipping container arrived back in england yesterday so it's back home waiting to come out at a later date and this is dancing on air the end of the show when they're finally dancing together so i look forward to theatrically dancing with you again in all sorts of ways that perhaps we haven't imagined yet um you'll hear don marsh and carly borden leading the original company of romantics anonymous thanks poppy thanks emma Always been so tightly wound Colourless and safe on the ground Yes, that's all I knew And yet when I'm with you I'm dancing on air It's a sensation beyond compare Dancing on air Just say the word there's nothing that I wouldn't dare Dancing on air, dancing on air All these years I've been weighed down Terrified that I'd slowly drown Now so suddenly connection you'd like to share on tea and biscuits leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846 that's 0117 318 3846 keep checking our social media for details of our next show tea and biscuits is part of wise children's lockdown thanks for hanging out with us
Bye.